up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. Presented by SodaSoccer.com. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, Dominic Jose Bazonio. It is episode 81. If you haven't uh, hit us up on the socials, we are now at SodaSoc on the socials. So go hit us up there, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, if you've not left us a uh, a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, please do that. You may have noticed that the podcast feed has changed as well. We're trying to keep the branding consistent across the board. So it's now Soda Soccer Podcasts, but the 10,000 10, Pitches Podcast obviously still alive and thriving underneath that SodaSoccer.com umbrella. One of the esteemed writers and content creators and contributors to SodaSoccer.com and of course my co-host, Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing very well and I'm enjoying this uh, first week of, of Soda Soccer and and all the the great feedback and and followers and readers that we're getting. So uh, it's been it's been a fun week, and I'm looking forward to more and more of it. Yeah, it's one thing to sort of like conceptualize in your mind and have an idea of what the reaction is going to be when you sort of launch something and do something like uh, creating a, a new soccer focused website uh, for the state of Minnesota. Yeah, you know, had an idea that there would be some response. To it, that'd be something people would welcome. But to actually see the the followers, the follower count skyrocket, and see all the replies and all the retweets and all the quote tweets and all the you know people saying nice things and how excited they were, man, that was that was such an awesome thing on Friday uh, to see all that and and the great work that not only you're doing, Dominic, but John Marthaler, Jacob Schneider, Eli Hoff. It's a real group group effort. Uh, over at sodasoccer.com. So if you haven't checked us out at sodasoccer.com, please do a lot of great content up there uh, as well. And also make sure you're uh, you're subscribed to the podcast feed here as well. Um, something you can see or you can listen to on the podcast feed, I should say. Little bonus interview. Um, well, I guess it's not really an interview, more of a roundtable discussion. Uh, I teamed up with Matt Pravratsky over at Equal Time Soccer, and we had a really good spring college soccer discussion with St. Thomas men's head coach John Lowry and Minnesota University of Minnesota assistant coach Maya Hayes talking about the men's and women's college spring seasons respectively sort of how the coaches approach those seasons if last year's sort of a competitive COVID spring season sort of has made any impact and, and, and changed how they view the spring season moving forward. Uh, you know, what scheduling a spring season is like, like a lot of that sort of just the questions I had in my mind when I, I think of spring soccer, like, Oh, I wonder how that works. I decided to get a group together and ask those questions. So a uh, really cool bonus episode up on the podcast feed with them. Uh, but Dom on 10 K, we have a lot to get to. Um, we do have the post loons live stream from after the Philadelphia union one, uh, one draw opener that you can go listen to, but uh, Dominic, you and I haven't got a chance to discuss the, the, the loons one, one opening uh, opening day draw. I guess we can call it opening day because there won't be an opening day for baseball. So we might as well uh, just, uh, <laughs> you know, own it for soccer. Um, but yeah, it was a one, one draw on the road in Philly uh, for the loons. Before we get into a lot of the uh, the X's and O's and sort of the, the meat and potatoes of this one, Dom, give me your overall impressions on the draw, sort of your initial gut reactions to coming away from Philly with a point. Yeah, I think my, my long story short uh, reaction is 
there's a lot of good things to take away from fielding, you know, a, a team that mixes new arrivals and backups with some starters and drawing an extremely good Philadelphia Union side. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's the first game of the season for everybody, so you have some asterisks for them as well. But, uh, you know, they fielded a pretty good side, a lot of starters. We did not necessarily field as many starters or predicted starters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, come away with a point and a reasonable draw, not like a crazy 4-4 draw, but, you know, 1-1. One, one. Uh, that, to me, first game of the season is a pretty mature result. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so, too. And to come away with a 1-1 one, one draw and, and play, a, I think, a more exciting brand of soccer overall, too. I think the, the what we saw in the field was a little bit more wide open than we're used to seeing from Minnesota, who really plays a tight, compact, sort of not going to get blown out, not going to blow you out type type style um i think we had an idea with the new attacking pieces specifically the new strikers that they brought in that they would play a little bit more of an attacking focused game i think we saw that um didn't bear many goals didn't even bear many i guess i guess solid chances there were a few but there weren't a ton but at the same time there's a lot good to take out of that too when you can sort of uh, i guess adopt a newish style and as you mentioned um sort of have to make some last minute adjustments to the roster throw in a few guys who are brand new to the squad and you come away with that draw. So let's go through that, that starting 11 that we had. So it's Tyler Miller and goal, a back line of Bakai Debasi, Michael Boxall, Brent Coleman, and O'Neill Fisher. The central defensive midfield pairing was Sasani Dotson and Kervin Ariaga. Robin Lud on the left, Emmanuel Reynoso with the 10, Franco Fragapane, or excuse me, Robin Lud on the right, not on the left. Uh, we don't ever want to see Robin Lud on the left again. Uh, lit on the right, and also at the 10, Fragapane on the left. And Luis Amaria was the one to get the nod as your starting striker. Um, Adrian Unu was on the bench. Abu Danladi, unfortunately, Groundhog Day situation here, found himself on the injured list uh, with a thigh issue. Chase Gasper was out with a, uh, with, uh, a head injury. Um, the word concussion has been thrown around. I don't I don't know if that's been officially confirmed that it was due to concussion protocol, but it was a head injury that kept him out. Uh, Ja'Cory Hayes out as well. Roman Metinair, uh with a thigh injury. And then Will Trapp also um, out for that one. So you're missing a few key pieces, but as you mentioned, Dom, um, the the newcomers that filled in, um, you know, in Kervin Ariaga's play, uh, um, case played really, really well. In O'Neill Fisher's case, had some good moments. Had some had a couple not so good moments, but all in all played well enough to to get the job done and, and get that result on the road. Uh Robin Lud, my pick to lead Minnesota United in goals in 2021. Good start as he uh as he puts one away uh in the first half to give the loons the lead. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm Nostradamus or not, Dom, but uh right place, right time, Robin does it again yeah and you know i mean obviously there's a lot of work done in the lead up to the goal in terms of moving the ball up the pitch but uh at the end of the day you know very like you said kind of good positional awareness being in the right place and and getting off a a confidence if slightly wild shot uh to you know find the goal and in a game that both sides attacks obviously it ends one 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 uh both sides attacks often uh, didn't quite look um, calibrated when they got to the, the final third. 
Uh, and obviously mm-hmm. you kind of expect that at the beginning of the season, but you know, so for, for Logue to come up big in, in that kind of match and, and, and find, have some coordination in his feet, have some, some aim for goal uh, in his mind that that's what you need in those kinds of games. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good sign that, uh, you know, he's going to continue to be that kind of player. Uh, hopefully this is far from his uh, only goal of the season. And uh, it won't, it won't contribute to my golden, my golden boot voting, but I, I certainly hope that, uh, that he does have a, a considerable gold tally by the end of the year. Clinical finishing in the final third over the last couple of seasons has been the Achilles heel for this Minnesota United team from an attacking standpoint. Um, Robin Wood has been the exception to that. Um, and that's probably the biggest reason I picked him to as, as my team golden boot winner for 2021 is because he's really, I mean, we have an idea of Louis, what Louis Samaria might be able to do. We have an idea of what Abu Danlani might be able to do, but it hasn't been proven on the field, right? That's all sort of hypothetical in our minds. What we've seen from Robin Wood is real. Like his ability to finish is real. And he's really the only one on this team that has proven he can do that on a consistent basis at a consistent level. And when I say right place, right time, Robin, that's not just like a catchphrase. Like he, he always, one of the biggest reasons he's able to put away so many chances is he's able to find those opportunities in such high percentage. And this is like a basketball term, but in such high percentage spots on the field where you are literally point blank right in front of goal um, and credit Franco Fragapane uh, with the with the run on the left. Uh, Luis Samaria did make a, a far post run to sort of pull a defender, but it's also Robin Lud sort of finding that space, not only to put himself in a good goal scoring position, but also make him available for the passer as well um, to do both those things and find that balance. That's what Lud does so well off the right hand side, and that's I mean we saw that play out in that goal. Yeah, and. and- just uh, you know, everyone should go and check out uh, Jacob's piece on on Soda Soccer that talks about this. But I'll, I'll note just because it's uh, extra, you know, extra credit to to Robin Lode for his performance with this context. The fact that he spent a huge chunk of his off season actually in military service for Finland, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and you know, I mean, again, go you can go read more details about that. But just coming from uh, from a very different offseason from the rest of the squad and most of the league um, and and coming up big on your team's first match like that that's a uh, that deserves a massive pat on the back I guess I'll, I'll, I'll say yeah. you know that's that's not an easy thing to do um, to handle and, and and manage all those priorities at once uh, so yeah, I mean, a huge credit again to, and perhaps extra excitement in the sense that we might not even really be seeing him quite, quite firing as fast as he can right now. You know, we probably have uh, a little bit of time before he really gets into the flow of things. So once that happens, uh, we could really have a, a dangerous player on our hands. Yeah. Um, before we, uh, a couple of the other uh, topics that we have have to do with with the attack and, and striker position specifically, but I don't want to neglect uh, I'm talking about the defensive performance. So after they withstood that corner kick onslaught over the first half hour, majority of the first half, I think they really settled in and and did about as well as they possibly could, could given the personnel and given this the overall, I guess, athleticism disadvantage they were at what did you see sort of from that backline performance Dom? yeah i mean like you were saying i 
I think there were there were negatives to take away and positives to take away, and of course, uh, negatives are going to feel more obvious, particularly when you don't win uh, the game, uh, and of course, when you concede during the game. Uh, you know, I I agree with a lot of folks that were uh, labeling uh, Fisher as as a probably the weaker link on the day uh, of, of those four. It very much seemed like I haven't seen all the sort of stats to back this up, but visually it seemed like Philadelphia were very much focusing on his side uh, for large chunks of the game. I think they very quickly identified him as a, as a place to, to invest time. Um, and, and so that's concerning, but you know, at the same time, we, we played a game with neither of our starting fullbacks, and and you kind of have to mm-hmm. expect that to result in that sort of situation. If I if I'm a you know a professional club and I hear that the other team is isn't starting with either of its fullbacks, and one of them just arrived, that one of the people that is going to play just arrived, I'm probably going to go with that guy. Um, mm-hmm. So so that you know that was rough, and there was a rough you know rough moment with their goal. The the the, the marking around that situation was not great. Uh, but like you were alluding to as well, at the same time, there were plenty of bright moments. Uh, there were plenty of moments where uh, uh, Coleman and Boxel worked pretty well uh, as a pair in the middle. Plenty of moments where Debassi, you know, showed his multi-positional talent. Um, and, and, and even Fisher at times, you know, had some, some, some good moments, some good, uh, uh, some good passes, some good movement. Uh, so, you know, I, I I don't walk away from, from the game deeply disappointed by the performance. It's a pretty strong performance for a, a back line that has uh, two starters, two, two regular starters, two not regular starters, and one of the starters is playing out of position. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that it was a pretty solid performance with all those in mind. Uh, there, there was a, as a pops into mind now, there was a rough moment with... Uh, Boxel, where he made a really rough um, challenge or movement off the ball that mm-hmm. that could have resulted in something more serious. That you know, so that kind of behavior should be avoided because it could have jeopardized the whole game. Uh, but uh, you know, o- other than a few rough moments, really solid first game from that defense. And again, you know, yeah. concede one goal and help secure a point at a really rough place to play uh, against a really good side. I-, I have no problem with that. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W had to say. She said, quote, it was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. 
Yeah, and you can give kind of an assist on that to Kervin Ariaga too, playing that sixth position. Um, played it very defensively, a la Ozzy Alonso. Now, I'm not comparing Kervin Ariaga to Ozzy Alonso because uh, Ozzy's in a class of zone. But uh, when you have when you have a guy that, that sort of showed out like Ariaga did and, and can sort of be that that defensive six who can sort of negate attacking situations before they even get to your back line, especially when you have a weakened back line like Minnesota United did, it can really help. It can really help negate those situations. It can really help sort of alleviate the pressure and uh, and get things going the other way. And that's I think Ariaga did an excellent job of that. He almost scored a goal on a free kick, uh, hit the crossbar. I mean, that was probably the most surprising thing I saw all day was that it was actually Ariaga to take that free kick and not Emmanuel Reynoso. And obviously Philadelphia was completely uh, shocked by that too because it was almost a goal, but unlucky to hit the crossbar. Uh, but a really good first showing from Ariaga. He doesn't like the snow, so maybe we don't we don't get that against uh, against Nashville on on, uh, on Saturday. But um, all in all, um, I, I think all you could ask for and more from your new defensive midfielder. Yeah, I was I was uh, I think equally impressed uh, as you were by his performance. Uh, I thought there was a lot of bright moments. You know, it's it's a big. Um, big uh, pool for him to have to jump in right away with the team uh i uh saw today on on philly's social media they were uh uh throwing around a a video of of jose martinez kind of uh dribbling around him which was a rough moment but uh but you know he had a really good game overall uh very close to to scoring and i thought it was funny that the commentators actually for uh up until they replayed that that free kick kept referring to him as Dotson because I just think neither of them really expected to talk about him in a goal scoring sense and they thought oh Dotson scores two goals and they just kept saying Dotson and then the replay happened like oh no um yeah you know uh really really solid performance really good defensively had some some solid moments in the attack and and just a really promising player that it's not necessarily clear if you know him starting is going to be a, a normal thing. Obviously, once Trap is available, you would imagine that there's going to be a lot less minutes for for him. But uh, he definitely showed against Philly that that there should be no concern about whether or not he can compete for those minutes, and uh, and that he should be you know when you see him subbing into the game uh, on other occasions that he should be a, a presence that is reassuring. So, uh, yeah, great to see that we're going to have that depth despite m- losing some people uh, in that position. And uh, very interested to see by the end of the year what the sort of uh, preference chart looks like for, for him and the others in, that, in those positions. You're supposed to be an MLS Cup contender and you draw a depleted Minnesota United team at home to start the season. And then you're bragging on social media a few days later about a situation where you're dribbling around one player. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe if I'm maybe if I'm running the union social media, I decide maybe we turn the page and not so much focus on on that on that opening day draw, but that's that's just me. That's neither here nor there. Um I don't think we got a lot of questions answered on the striker position, Dom, especially with Abu Dunladi out. Um, Amaria got the starts. Um, Adrian Unu did come in late on in the match. We saw Bagukule Hongwane. I don't, I don't think I don't think anybody really had a performance that came anywhere close to sort of solidifying uh, a position, uh, a, a, you know, planting a stake in the ground at striker. Uh, but because of that, I would assume Amaria is probably the first team choice uh, moving forward. 
Um, Huang Wane had a couple good moments. He had a couple not so good moments. That's what you would expect from a guy, I think, making his first MLS appearance. Um, Adrian Unu had a really, really good shot at goal. Um, you could argue he maybe should have taken a touch or two uh, before firing off a one-timer off a, off a just an unreal pass, unreal backheel pass from Robin Lud. Um, that sprung Hunu. He takes the one-timer, gets tipped over the bar by the t- by the keeper. Uh, again, you could argue, take a couple touches, try to either get around the keeper or get yourself in a position where you have more of an open net to shoot at. Um, that could have been the winner for Minnesota. But either way, um, you know, no bad performances overall by any of the strikers, which is, I, I think, a positive and something you can look forward to saying, okay, we have we have as of right now. Assume until we hear a, a differently, I'm going to assume Abu Danladi is sort of maybe out of the out of the picture from an injury standpoint right now. But as of right now, you have three. So, I think two really solid options in your DPS, and then somebody who I think deserves to get more minutes and more looks in Hong Wane. Um, so I'm feeling pretty good about the striker position. We had somebody that commented on the post loon stream saying that oh, another game where strikers can't finish. I don't think there were enough opportunities just to maybe warrant that argument, but I do get the PTSD that comes from the last couple of years of, of seeing the revolving door at striker and seeing sort of uh, the inability to finish. Um, how are you just feeling about the striker situation as a whole, considering the Don Lottie injury and considering the performances that we saw uh, against Philadelphia? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'm on a very, I'm on a very similar tone as you in the sense that I don't, I didn't see anything that makes me especially concerned, but also not necessarily anything that, makes me extremely excited um as far as the is concerned yeah obviously the injury thing is is rough i mean the asterisk i put on all my excitement about him of course was that it was all implying that we would get a healthy than um mm-hmm. you know there were some uh I've, it might have been today or might have been yesterday but you know there were some images on on the team social media of him training in some capacity so we'll, we'll see when he ends up returning but um that in mind uh, I suppose this is why we bought so many strikers uh, because one of them appears to be out of contention mm-hmm. and we still have, uh, you know, three or four <laughs> to, to pick from. So, um, yeah, you know, Amaria did not look amazing. Uh, he did look decent. He had some decent moments. It didn't necessarily feel like the team was playing in such a way that m- made him the focal point of most of of the moments the team had. So to your point, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's possible to have a really clean, fair takeaway of, of, of his performance in that sense. Um, and of course, he's had very limited time with the team, which you can imagine uh, as that changes, things will improve. I, didn't, I, I, I think he was good enough and good enough in comparison that I would expect he to kind of stick to it for, for the next game, at least. Um, yeah, that... that, that um, quick fire chance from Unu that maybe could have been dealt with more patiently. That was a rough one for me. That did really feel like a moment lost. Uh, and, and, you know, it's unfair of course that when it happens to you and you're the substitute and you've only, you only end up playing so many minutes, obviously then it kind of gets burned as a brand of, of, of your game, which is not necessarily fair, but uh, at the same time, you know, if he scores there, that's a pretty big way of changing Heath's mind. Uh, and he didn't. So, you know, uh, that, that's that's something for for them to think about. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I think for the foreseeable future, unless we see some dramatic performance changes, 
Amarillo seems like he's going to be starting the next couple of games. And I'm one okay last with that. Note on the, Yeah, yeah, definitely. Same here. Uh, one last note on the Philly match. Obviously, it was Tyler Miller who got the starting goal, sort of uh, um, – you know, backing up everything that Adrian Heath had been saying leading up that it was Miller's um, Miller's position to lose. Some shaky moments from Miller. A uh, couple clearances going out over into touch, uh, and uh, you know there there were there were a couple of uh, you know situations where he was lucky not to be caught out of position, uh, leaving a wide open net. Uh, but you only give up one goal, so I would I, I would I would think that maybe he he gets the nod uh moving forward against nashville on saturday speaking of which dom uh we're gonna have some pretty gnarly weather in the twin cities on saturday uh thunderstorms in the forecast one of those winter thunderstorms uh likely uh 90 chance of rain at kickoff and it's gonna be that cold miserable rain it's gonna be like 42 degrees so it shouldn't be like like sleet or like freezing rain or a wintry mix or anything like that, but still uh, not going to be uh, not going to be comfortable uh, to be standing out in the wonder wall for that one. But at the same time, um, it, it'll be, it's the home opener. I expect there to be a mostly packed house unless the weather is just extremely bad. Um, and you're playing a Nashville SC team who had a really impressive opening day performance themselves beating Seattle in Seattle 1-0 on opening weekend. Of course, um, Eric Miller doing uh, helping out the Nashville uh, back line there with the clean sheet against Seattle. Um, I, I put on Twitter, kind of jokingly, but almost kind of seriously, it's Minnesota North versus Minnesota South on Saturday because you got you got Eric Miller, Luke Hawkinson, Teal Boonberry, and um, Jamie Watson. Now, obviously, Jamie Watson's not on the field, but he is in the broadcast booth for Nashville SC as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a fun one. A lot of Minnesota ties for Nashville as well. Hopefully, the weather – I don't I don't expect it to hold up in the fact that there's not going to be, uh, you know, some crappy weather. But hopefully, the the extreme portion of it holds off to where you can get a match in and, and make it at least a somewhat comfortable environment for the fans. Yeah, you know, with the weather, the obvious concern that would kind of tip things over the edge is if you have lightning and, and game delays, uh, which would obviously be a, a very unfortunate. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you I, I imagine that <laughs> the 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 people of Minnesota have shown that their their bar of what makes a soccer match unattendable is uh, pretty damn ridiculous. So yeah. to be perfectly honest, I <laughs> I don't expect. Uh, I expect the game to be well attended. <laughs> I yeah. expect the game to be well attended. Um, but uh, but yeah, hopefully the, the more serious potentials for, for weather are, are gone or don't happen at all um, by the time the game happens. But uh, yeah, you know, it's a really interesting matchup. I, I think that I had heard some discussion about this in CERN. You know, there's so many different places that talk about MLS. But um, I, I heard some people talk about the fact that you know, when people are talking about, like, where's your team going to finish in the Western Conference and these sorts of questions that are big factors, the fact that a team that was a pretty consistent playoff contender in the East just joined the West. And uh, that's that's going to affect everybody. And to be honest, it's probably going to really affect a team like Minnesota that isn't necessarily like a conference winner uh, or, or top tour um, and is more fighting for those those mid to low playoff places. 
But uh, yeah, you know, they've, they've literally just shown that they have a strong mentality on the road and they can go and beat a team that people expect to win uh, MLS Cup uh, on the road. So that is, uh, that is a really good note for them to arrive uh, to Minnesota on. But that means it's Minnesota's job to to change the script and come in strong and and take learn from the lessons of that Philadelphia draw. Uh, you know, this is a, a a really interesting Nashville team that last year uh, was was very highly um, regarded across the league. Uh, there's been some some moves, roster moves by them, just like any other team. So so that's not necessarily the exact same side. But uh, it, it's one to be really careful of. So, uh, you know, Minnesota United's attack ha- isn't quite firing yet. It's going to have to be better against a, a really strong uh, defensive team in Nashville. And uh, I definitely think it's important to get, get a win a, with this game to, to foster some good momentum. Because that road draw with Philly feels good if you win the home opener the next week. If you draw... Mm-hmm. Or lose, but even if you draw the home opener the next week, all of a sudden the the, the flavor changes pretty quickly. So uh, I definitely think that that finding a way past this Nashville defense is is pretty vital for the momentum of Minnesota United. I think I think anybody who plays Nashville though, there's about an eighty five percent chance that match is going to end up in a draw though, right? So I mean, yeah, right, and and, but that's what that's what makes great seasons, of course, is teams that don't fall into uh you know statistical averages and so on and so forth so but no you're right you're right this is a uh, was it last year that they you know they they made the playoffs yeah they had like two times more draws than wins or something like that (laughs) like you know i mean go check the stats but but something like that you know i mean it was a pretty strange tally and it was a weird combination of having some really good goal scores and a really good defense but they would leak some some stuff every now and then but it, but they just found you know found ways through the season uh so you have to hope that minnesota united can figure that out because that's a really dangerous thing to have in your conference and we haven't had to really deal with that the west for a long time now has kind of been a conference that has a lot of great teams and a lot of really bad teams so having this kind of team is is a little different i think than what we've had to deal with lately um and uh, it's, a, it's a big challenge, but it's one that they have to figure out. Taking a quick water break here to tell you about our good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And when I say friends, I 100% mean Jason Mora has been supporting 10,000 pitches since its infancy in the summer of 2020. And he's continuing to provide us that support with SodaSoccer.com. And I'm proud to say he's become a good, good friend of mine. Jason used his experience as a pro all over the country, including right here at Minnesota United, to help him launch a company that can provide quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices to clubs and teams at all levels. This is a Minneapolis-based company doing great things for local, nationwide, and even worldwide clubs. Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Flora, Dynamo St. Cloud, Tulsa Athletic, the American Outlaws, and even the Anguian National Team all use Stimulus to outfit their club jerseys game gear and apparel they need and stimulus can do the same for you and your club as well it's pretty simple just head to stimulusathletic.com start a conversation with their amazing team and let them know jeremy from soda soccer sent you again that's stimulusathletic.com yeah we've talked about consistency almost at nauseum when it comes to minnesota united on this podcast dom and this is one of those times where you got to follow up a good result with another good result and a home opener result a good result. The only good result in a home opener, I think, 
uh, unless you're playing a Seattle or a Portland or, you know, one of those real, real, you know, uh, banner holders of the Western Conference or of MLS as a whole. Maybe a draw seems like a good result in those situations. But, you know, a, a Nashville team who, um, if for all intents and purposes, Nashville has some good pieces. But I, I would say I would take Minnesota United's roster over Nashville's currently um, at full strength. Um, and I, I think you got to come out with three points for Minnesota United. Uh, again, it's not a must win, but I'm just saying for momentum purposes, to prove consistency, to prove that this season is different, I feel like three points is is kind of that only that only good result. So I'm out of town. It's going to be my co-host, my partner in crime, Dominic Jose Bazonio, alongside Eli Hoff on the Post Loons Post Game Show. So make sure you go drop them some good comments, uh, some good reactions, some good hot takes after the Nashville match. It'll be live on the Soda Soccer YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter channels. So uh, make sure you go check that out. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel right now if you'd like. And make sure you go follow us on all the socials so you know when we go live about 15, 20 minutes after the final whistle, I would say, um, in Nashville on Saturday. Again, 5 p.m. kickoff for that Nashville game on Saturday. All right. Moving on, talking about uh, other other happenings in MLS as it pertains to players from Minnesota. Some good performances. Caden Clark included, played 33 minutes in the New York Red Bulls 3-1 win over San Jose. Um, and he had the assist on that third goal, sort of the, uh, I guess, the, the the clincher, the dagger, if you will. Really good pass, too, from Clark. We have the highlight up on our Twitter page if you want to go check that out. Um, we talked about how big of a season this is for Caden Clark. Obviously, a big season is really helped by a strong start. You get an assist in the opening match. Um, I think that's a that's the good start you need if you're if you're Caden Clark, and hopefully he can continue to build up on that as the season progresses. Yeah, you know, yeah, Dan, we talked about the expectations he needs to to find and meet this season, and that that Red Bull team is a tough one as as a player because there's a lot of depth. They don't necessarily have a lot of pieces that are being talked about as the best in their position. Um, and that's probably fair. But they have a lot of guys that are like seven, eight out of tens. They got a lot of really strong, but just below that sort of MVP level. And a lot of youth, a lot of ambitious players, a lot of players that in a couple of years might be in a league that people like a little more than MLS, you know, a lot of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So uh, you know, the fact that he's on the bench is not necessarily something to to be heartbroken about. I mean, I'm sure he won't like it, but from a general public, that's that's an understandable position to be in. So, when you're in that position, you know you you gotta do what he did, which is you come on, you play about half an hour, you have an impact. They were of course or already winning the match, but to help secure that win, uh, get that assist, that's that's as good as it pretty much gets um, with with the hand he's been drawn. Obviously, he played less last season, so he's gonna have to fight back, you know, to get that consistent starting role. And uh, you know, hopefully, this is this is part of that journey for him. Uh, elsewhere on Saturday, he's not from Minnesota, but he's a, he's an adopted Minnesotan, former Minneapolis City standout, Brandon By, uh, played all 90 minutes and uh, scored a goal in Portland's or in New England's 2-2 draw against Portland. Um, I don't know if you caught any of this match live, Dom. This is – Fox and MLS could not have asked for a better opening night nationally televised game to showcase Major League Soccer. This was an absolute thriller from start to finish. A really good play from both sides. As you would expect, New England topping the Eastern Conference season, and then, of course, Portland going all the way to MLS Cup uh, in the Western Conference 
and they put on a show on Saturday night. That was awesome to see. And of course, Brandon by with local ties, making an impact makes it all that much better. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it was a wild game. Um, a, a great way to kind of cap off that, that day of MLS. Um, and, uh, you know, to, it's funny when you have these sorts of games where of course you have, uh, uh, the finalists from, um, last season, I guess the supporter shield winners, uh, from last season, when you have those sorts of, you know, teams that did very well last year, meet up early in the next season, a lot of times those actually end up being disappointing games. A lot of times those end up being very kind of quiet games. People always want them to be something that they never end up being. Um, partly because often those teams actually, you know, struggle the year after that success, but, uh, that, that all aside, uh, this was what you want those kinds of games to be. Two squads that were clearly really looking to get started well uh, in 2022. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's a draw that I I, I definitely say that uh, the Revs should be more happy about. Although there were moments where I thought they could have done better than a 2-2 draw. But, uh, you know, obviously Portland would want to to start the, the, the next season after almost winning MLS Cup a, a lot better than a 2-2 draw. But, uh, yeah, great for Brandon Bayh. Who, like you, like you said, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is from Michigan. That's where his MPSL career started. Uh, played for Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids, I want to say. Who, unfortunately, are neither in the MPSL anymore. But uh, and then, of course, with Minneapolis City. So great to see a guy who who formed as a partly formed as a player in in you know the Midwest and the MPSL Midwest region. Um, uh, do it at this level for I mean years now. Uh, with with the, the revolution and you know becoming a big side becoming a big player in a big side that that's really great to see and it it kind of helps reinforce the uh i guess the dream that a lot of guys have when they when they come to that level that sort of high level amateur level and and, and high level college level that that they can you know climb to to those those sorts of feats so yeah great great to see him continue to be successful yeah, I mean, he's become a vital contributor to New England on that back line. I mean, they just signed him to a big-time extension for a reason. I mean, he's 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 one of their most important players. So, um, you know, it's good to see him continuing to produce. Um, and as we mentioned, Eric Miller played all 90 minutes for Nashville in that and and uh, contributed to the clean sheet along the back line in that 1-0 win for Nashville against Seattle. He and the rest of the South Minnesotans are going to make the trip up to their to their native land on Saturday for that tie with Minnesota. All right. Um, another, uh, I guess we're going to transition kind of down into the lower league side. Now uh, the U S open cup has announced the dates and times for the second round. Um, this could impact Minneapolis city and does impact Ford Madison. So we'll start with the crow side of things. If they can get past Des Moines in that, uh, in that March affair in the first round, they will go down to Omaha to play the defending USL league one champions. Um, that, match will be at 7 p.m central time on april 5th and then the next day on april 6th also a 7 p.m kickoff forward madison will take on the winner of uh chicago united and cleveland sc uh if cleveland sc sounds familiar they are the ones who indeed eliminated minneapolis city in the uh npsl uh regionals uh regional finals last year um so maybe a little revenge if cleveland's able to get past chicago Maybe, uh, you know, all the, the Minneapolis City fans can sort of get on the Ford Madison bandwagon, see if they can knock off that uh, that Cleveland team. Um, also a reminder, that Minneapolis City and Des Moines Menace first round match, a big one, uh, March 23rd in West Des Moines. Um, and that match will start at 7 p.m. 
Other quick news, Minneapolis, speaking of Minneapolis City, they signed Lakeville native and former Union Omaha, Hartford Athletic, and St. Louis FC player Tyler David for the 2022 season. For the 2022 season. Wow, words. Um, David was actually on Des Moines Menace last season uh, when they won the USL League 2 title. Um, he, he is now going to Minneapolis City. Um, you know, A few weeks ago, actually maybe about a month ago now, I was talking to Matt Van Bedskoot and the uh, Minneapolis City head coach about kind of how they would be expanding that player pool and the types of players that they would be going after now and trying to bring into the program now that they are in USL League 2. Um, and I mean, USL league two has some talent. I mean, that path to pro is no joke. You know, that is, that is a league where a lot of simmering future pro talent really lives. Um, so it's good to see Minneapolis city sort of, um, engaging in that and bringing in players who sort of fit that bill, because if they want to compete in USL league two, I mean, those are the kind of players they have to have on the roster. Yeah. And, you know, another, just in addition to that, another facet of that level, particularly the USL League 2 aspect of that level, is, uh, you know, you even have guys like Tyler David who are professionals that, you know, for various reasons, dip out of the, the professional leagues for, you know, a certain amount of time uh, as he, you know, is, is currently doing. So that's a, you know, a huge addition to, to Minneapolis City and, and probably a great opportunity for the players that will be around him to, you know, get minutes and training and on the pitch with a guy who's who's done it you know he's got quite a few uh usl championship and um league one uh it's uh appearances uh added up over the years so um yeah i mean great opportunity and of course you know you you do that but you also are able for minneapolis city to stick to your sort of twin cities and minnesota focused player pool connection with him of course being from lakeville so uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a really cool partnership that works out for everybody, and it'll be really interesting to see uh, what he can do for them. And in, in the league this year, obviously having been very successful last last year with Des Moines, and you know maybe he proves to be a really important tool in a, in a open cup run if they manage to do that. Uh, uh, you know he'll he'll know quite a bit about the team they have to beat to to get to Omaha. Yeah. So so uh, and then he'll know about that team too. So. <laughs> It's strategic, man. It's strategic. You bring on the guy who has played <laughs> for both of the teams that you could face in the first two rounds of the tournament. You get that inside, kind of the inside man, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, you get that, you know, maybe he's maybe he stole some game tape on his way out. Who knows? But uh, might have to put some money either, down either on way, them. Uh, yeah. On the third round, he might have to put some money down on them drawing Hartford Athletic. Yeah. <laughs> Once the championship size get at it. But, uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah. Anyway, you know, it, it's yeah. So I mean, that that has to be great for that dressing room to have that that influence and that knowledge with them. Obviously, you know, some of the folks on that team are are college uh, collegiate athletes who who don't have that experience yet. So that's uh that's a really cool combination, and it's great to have him back in the Minnesota soccer scene. And I know he's also involved in the the Minneapolis uh, City Futures program as well. So you know, he's he's obviously um really getting involved in in all facets of that club so yeah really cool addition and then somehow minneapolis city gets to the quarterfinal and, and like a phoenix rising from the ashes st louis fc is all of a sudden anyways r.i.p st louis fc um yeah let's transition over to uh stay in the usl but transition over to the w league recent minnesota aurora signings 
Uh, Mariah Wynn from Andover, um, Bemidji State products. So a couple of BSU players now joining Minnesota Aurora. Uh, Rachel Preston, she is from Lakeville. Uh, she went to SDSU. And then uh, Shelby Hupo from Hawaii. Uh, she went to Metropolitan State University in Denver. So again, continuing the theme of, you know, a majority of players locally are joining the team, but you still have that, that, um, presence of players coming in from outside, sort of rounding out that roster of both in Minnesota and nationwide players, which is cool. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's you know, it's kind of more of, of of what we've been talking about, but it's it's a good way to to build this roster that, in a way that will foster obviously competitive ability, but also that local connection. And, and I think it's really interesting and great that, as you noted, that there's sort of this Bemidji State connection happening in this roster that. I'm not sure was the immediate focus we would have thought of, um, but it's it makes a lot of sense when you kind of look back and think about the performances you were seeing out of out of the school and 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 of course the level you're expecting for this team. So, you know, it 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 actually makes a lot of sense when you think about it, and and again, it fosters that Minnesota connection, um, but also a Minnesota connection that that kind of branches out across the state a little bit, so it doesn't just feel like a Twin Cities team, which doesn't really seem to be what they want to be. Obviously, they're going to be playing in the Twin Cities, and that's a huge part of the identity, but it does seem like they want to kind of have that connection to the broader community, and uh, there's a few ways better than, you know, bringing in a lot of people with deep connections on the edges of the state, places like like Bemidji. So, uh, yeah, really exciting and, and really looking forward to seeing how all these, all these players look when they're on the pitch together. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at 9th Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at 9th Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at 9th Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at 9th. Ninth Street MPLS. That's Ninth and Street, both spelled out. N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google, or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Just like the uh, social handles, N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online at NinthStreetMPLS.com. And this isn't just, uh, you know, bringing in people, you know, bringing in girls and players from around the state just for the sake of bringing in girls and players from around the state. Like, these are are extremely good soccer players. I mean, we talk, we've talked ever since this podcast started about the amount of talent, both on the men's and women's side, that exists in Minnesota. And so that's why it's always made sense for Minnesota to have uh, a, a women's high level soccer team you know a lot of people were talking about nwsl and maybe that is in the future uh or maybe usl super league is in the future but you know we have the w league team this is what we have and we see that their ability to bring in talent from across the state 
just, just really, really good players who I think, you know, really could make an impact. I don't know if you'll see a state, you know, maybe Texas, Arizona, California, you know, uh, notwithstanding, but um, Minnesota is, is unique in the fact of just the amount of sheer talent that there is to sort of pull from statewide. Yeah, you know, again, you you know, as you're saying, this is kind of the whole point of this whole thing. So <laughs> if if people are just noticing this now, uh, maybe you need to pay more attention. But, uh, you know, the, the whole point of everything we, we kind of do here is is that there's so much talent and so much so much potential for development and so much potential for growth um, with with the game in this state. And you look at the potential that is kind of hidden through all these colleges and NPSL teams and WPSL teams and now. Uh, potentially the you know W League teams and and UPSL. There, there, there's there's so much talent here and so many sides that are uh, whether that's schools or clubs that are developing really good players. And uh, there have there aren't always the right avenues to showcase that at at the next stage. So you know I think that's what everyone wanted Minnesota Aurora to be. Uh, at in this case at the sort of right below pro level and hopefully at one day there will be someone that does it at the pro level for women. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, again, like like we kind of just both been saying, it, it's great to see that they're they're really looking for the right avenues to do that. They're they're looking around at all the different schools that have been doing things right, and we talked all of last year about how Bemidji State was doing things right. Uh, so it's great to see that you know they're well aware of that. They're not you know they're not just kind of focusing on the the obvious one or two places to look. They're they're keeping in mind what is each program in this state doing how are they doing it who is it selling in, in those processes uh and uh and you know again you really can't look for all of that in a better place than bemidji state right now so really really look forward to seeing how how those athletes um uh showcase and, and improve at this new challenge also looking forward to seeing the, uh, you know, what more food and restaurant recommendations come in for some of these players who are coming in from out of state too. You know, uh, that's, that's, that's another kind of underlying, uh, underlying storyline, a really important underlying storyline <laughs> when it comes to Minnesota Aurora. Um, if you'd like to give yourself the opportunity to join Minnesota Aurora's roster in 2022, the club is holding tryouts on March 19th at the NSC in Blaine, uh, 530 to 730. There's a $40 tryout fee. Just uh, follow them on, on all the socials at MN Aurora FC or head, head to MNAurora.com uh, for all the info. Um, one of the final uh, headlines here is something that we've been remiss not to talk about on, on, a, on, on a larger scale uh, on this podcast this year. We, we've, we've talked about them a lot in the past um you know back in 2020 they really sort of gave us something to look forward to and to watch with the lower league e-cup um and the 2022 version just wrapped up and if you haven't been following it's uh is a minnesota sweep in the uh in the xbox and the playstation premier divisions and it was a vlora fc sweep in the xbox and playstation's premier divisions uh just a couple nights ago uh Vlora FC beat Ford Madison. So a lot of local flavor in the PlayStation or the Xbox Premier Division final. But it was Vlora over Ford Madison nine to two. Um that was played by Oscar Ayala. Um and I believe the his Twitter handle is at Lil Ayala22. If you want to go check him out, um he was the one who brought home the title 
for Vlora in the Xbox Premier Division. And then great friend of the podcast, Yosef Elsawi, Yufasa himself, uh, brought home the PlayStation Division title um, as he and Vlora knocked off Providence City 6-3 in that final play just last night on March 2nd. So a Vlora sweep, kind of cool to see a local team doing work on the uh, on the esports scene. East soccer, it seems, is getting bigger and bigger every single day. Uh, you know, you have people streaming themselves playing football manager. And, I mean, the, the FIFA streams are just crazy on Twitch. The E-Cup, very much a part of that. Really, really cool event. Congrats to Joe Meyer and everybody involved with the E-Cup on another successful year. Uh, but, yeah, Yosef and Oscar bringing it home for Vlora, getting the double. Pretty cool. Yeah, super cool. And uh, I, I actually uh, was able to watch uh, Yosef's uh, two matches. The, the finals are, are played in two legs back-to-back. Uh, and uh, it was really, you know, impressive. Uh, first, first leg ended three-one in his favor, and then the second leg, re- towards the end, basically in the, in the second half, all of a sudden he completely lost his lead. But then in the last, uh, you know, technically it's 10, 15 minutes, and you know, but it's really whatever five minutes mm-hmm. in real time. Uh, he just barraged a bunch of goals, <laughs> and, uh, and and completely retook the lead and uh, the lead rather, and uh, just you know cemented himself uh, in the tie. So. Yeah, really impressive for Valora to you know kind of show up on, on the esports side of things like that, and that's obviously a side that uh, on on the soccer pitch has has done well in the last couple of years, and so it's cool that they're able to do both at the same time and, and represent Minnesota in a a national tournament. And actually, this year technically an international tournament because uh, there was a a, a couple of English um, I think non league teams that had representatives in the tournament this year, so that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, and and actually Minnesota or well, uh, Wisconsin was uh, represented pretty well, obviously for Madison making that final. And um, I'm blanking on the full name of of the supporters group, but the the Labara of of Ford Madison. I, I forget what the number is at the end. But yeah, Labara six oh eight. Six oh eight. They uh, I think they lost in the second whatever the, I'm blanking on what the title is, but the second division, the division below the Premier Division, they lost to an English side in the final there as well. So. Um, yeah, so a lot of cool kind of local representation in those finals. And again, congratulations to Valora for, for showing up big in both and bringing a little extra attention to, uh, to Minnesota. Uh, that, that's, that's always really awesome to see. And uh, I don't I – do, I think this is the first time we've seen uh, Minnesotan success at this scale of the tournament. So that's also really cool. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Minneapolis City made a couple deep runs in the 2020 and 2021 versions, respectively. Um, I believe falling in the semifinals one year and the quarterfinals uh, the next. Uh, but I think they were they were the other closest. Ford Madison's made deep runs before. Um, obviously, Yosef uh, Yo- uh, and, and has made deep runs in the past with Flora too. But yeah, never really. I don't think never making the final, let alone let alone winning. And it happens back to back nights. Awesome stuff. Um, before we get into, we're not going to do a top four this week, Dom. But there is a poll question up on the Soda Soccer Twitter account, and I want to get our answers to it. It's, what is your favorite Minnesota United home opener? Now, I'm going to give you some time. Uh, we're going to go over, we're going to go through the options, and then we're going to do a little plug for some stuff, and then we'll go into actually giving our answers. So, obviously, you have the snow opener in 2017. Uh, you have the St. Patrick's Day win over the Chicago Fire in 2018. You have the opening of Allianz Field in 2019. 
Um, there was no home opener in 2020. Actually, I was I was at the what would technically was the home opener. Um, really, really weird match, I believe, against Sporting KC. Uh, ended, ended in a 2-2 draw, I believe. It was in front of no fans. Um, actually, I think there were a few fans there who like won a contest to sit in a box seat uh, in an empty Allianz field. But um, yeah, I was there in the media section. It was just very, very weird, weird uh, setting there, obviously, with the empty stadium. Um, so we're not going to count that one. So you have the Snowpinner, St. Patrick's Day uh, win. You have the uh, opening of Allianz or the return of fans in 2021 for the home opener against RSL. So those are the uh, the options. Um, so before we actually get to giving our uh, our answer to that, that, that question, um, Dominic has a couple of really good stories up at sodasoccer.com that I want to let him plug and sort of do his thing. Um, I mean, these have been viewed a ton of times. So anybody, a lot of people listening have probably already read these articles, but just in case they haven't, Dom, what do you have up at sodasoccer.com right now? Yeah, so uh, uh, the first article I have up, which went uh, went up the the big day, was uh, about the current FA. It was sort of a, a look back at 2021 and uh, a look forward to what to expect for 2022. It was a uh, uh, great to talk to Kyle Johnson, who's of course is kind of in charge over there, about uh, what to expect this coming year. There's a lot of potential big plans. There's potential for the women's side to play in an international tournament. Uh, potential otherwise for a lot of friendlies and other activities to happen. Uh, also for for you know youth moving forward in their futsal sides, um, you know that that's a that's a side that uh, that's a team an organization that means a lot to a, a, a big community in this state that not everybody knows about. Uh, that being the Karen, and uh, it, it's it's always a topic I like returning to every now and then. I've written about them before. I've talked to Kyle before for articles, but every time we we get back in touch, and I know he's been on the podcast as well in the past. Um, not, not, not with me, but with you guys, uh, every time we, we get back in touch, there's always lessons to be learned because that's, that's just a really, um, ambitious and, and well-intentioned organization. I'll, I'll, I'll say, uh, you know, that, that's trying to change how uh, people talk about gender equity in sports, certainly trying to change how people talk about the, the current people. Uh, or or fighting to make sure people do talk about the Korean people because unfortunately a lot of people, including Minnesota, don't know uh, enough about them. And and you know we talked about uh, obviously there's been a lot of uh, conflict in in Myanmar, which is is where the uh, the modern uh, territory where the the Korean are, are from. And uh, you know talked about how that's impacted the players, how that changes what this organization means to them. So definitely go check that out. And uh, if you don't know anything about the Korean community maybe use it as a launch point to learn more uh, through other sources as well. Uh, and then the other article is about Kapa too, who is a, uh, a Minnesotan soccer player born in Thailand, uh, moved here when he was seven. And he is a Karen ethnically and, uh, you know, played Osseo high school, played uh, Dakota County uh, uh, technical college, played for UW Parkside in Wisconsin uh, D2 college, uh, played for VSLT in Minnesota twin stars in the NPSL. This is a, lo- a local, as local as it gets in terms of soccer development. And uh, when he got out of college, he's looking for another opportunity, trying to play professionally. He ends up deciding to return to Thailand to play in the third division there uh, professionally. 
and uh, with a, a club called uh, uh, Chantelbury, I believe is how you pronounce it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a really interesting story. It's a story that you almost certainly have not heard about um, simply because no one's mm -hmm. talked about it. And uh, I, I, I hope that, uh, you know, he continues to have a really interesting career and there's, and there's certainly more to, to follow. He's 25 right now. There's still several years of uh, activity left in this guy. So this is a guy that, you know, the, uh, has deep connections to folks you have heard of before. He was childhood friends with the Vane brothers, Michael and Brian Vane. Their father was essentially a, a huge part of his development into soccer. He's, you know, he's played for teams you heard of, uh, but you probably haven't heard of him. So definitely go check that out. And uh, I, I definitely hope that, well, I am uh, glad that people are reading the articles and that the articles have been well received because this is the kind of stuff that I, I really would like to write about uh, in addition to, you know, the NPSL and the UPSL and the, and the, the USLW League in college. I, I want to make sure that these kinds of stories are also being told on Soda Soccer uh, because they're stories that are really hard, to be perfectly frank, to get published anywhere else. Uh, and so this is the only way I know how to do it. <laughs> And uh, but they need to be told and people need to know about them. So I, I, I look forward to doing more of that. And I encourage you to check out both of those if you haven't already. Please do more of that, Don, because uh, the, these stories have been have been fascinating and interesting. And obviously, uh, the readers and the people in the Minnesota soccer community agree because um, those those stories have just, just been so well received. So um, excellent work on those and uh, excited to see what more you have coming down the pipe for sodasoccer.com um another plug uh, a couple more stories to plug um jacob's match day recap for uh philadelphia talking about robin lud and his uh and the the, the offseason that he had uh, sitting in a forest in finland with the military um just just crazy stuff and how that led to him uh you know scoring a goal in the opener against philly uh pretty pretty crazy turn of events for for robin there so Really good recap on that uh, from Jacob. And then also John Marthaler on Wednesday probably wrote, I, I don't know the last time I laughed out loud that hard reading a piece, uh, but it's a welcome to soccer for angry baseball fans. So obviously there is no uh, opening day. The first, I guess, month of the Major League Baseball season has been canceled at this point. Um, and so a lot of fans, uh, our baseball fans are, are understandably angry. Uh, they feel betrayed. So this is sort of John's elevator pitch to get people to come and check out soccer because there's another professional sport being played in America in summer. It's not just baseball. There's soccer too. Um, and it's just a really tongue in cheek kind of look at like the, the MLS and, and, the weirdness that is MLS. I mean, all the stuff that I love, you know, me, John, you know, me, Don. Uh, so um, just, just a really, really good article from John Marthaler. So go, go check that out if you haven't. Uh, but we are going to wrap up the episode by giving our favorite Minnesota United home opener. Dom, I have a feeling I know which one you're going to pick, but I have an obscure one. I was at the opening of Allianz field in 2019. That was freaking awesome. My first ever Minnesota United match, though, I thought, looking back, I thought my first Minnesota United match was in 2017. But looking back, it was actually the home opener in 2018 uh, where they beat the Chicago Fire. And 
Wonderwall plays after the match, of course. And it's one of those things where like you go and you think you're going to have a good time. And like, you know, I love soccer and I hadn't been to see this pro soccer team in Minnesota play. So this is awesome, cool stuff. And it's like, all of a sudden you leave, like your life is, I'm saying your life has changed. That seems a little too intense, but like, like you leave, like, like, Oh, this is going to be a much bigger part of my life than I originally thought it was going to be. <laughs> uh <laughs> just just saying that much like oh, okay i'm like i'm i am all in on this right um so that actually is my favorite because it was my it just happened to be my first minnesota united game so it's the 2018 st patrick's day dub over chicago fire for me dom are you gonna surprise me or are you gonna go with the one that i think you're gonna go with well now i don't want to go with the one that you know that i'm gonna go with uh but well uh, i'll i'll do some some fluff around my answer to at least make it less predictable but uh what one i'll say part of the deciding factor for me is i've, I've only been to two of these so I, i've been to the mm-hmm. snow opener and i went to the allianz opener against uh mm-hmm. nycfc right yep yeah um so that's going to influence my answer uh i will say i remember that chicago game i watched it on my laptop in my room where i was living my sophomore year of, of college but um or my junior year, the summer before my junior year. Um, but I remember that game, and I think Sam Nicholson scored the winner, I want to yep. say. Um, Gorgeous of, weather, too, by the way. For yeah. mid-March in Minnesota, it was like 60, it's like 65 degrees. Me, I, I remember I brought my cousin with me because he was in town, and we were in like t-shirt and jeans. Like, it was, it was amazing. So I think the weather had a little bit to do with it, too, for me. But, uh, yeah, no, it was... Yeah. And did I think Great Ibsen match. scored yeah, that game, didn't he? Who? Did Ibsen score the other goal? He might Ibsen have. scored I'm, that game. Because he scored be like honest, two or three was... that year. He scored that crazy back heel against Houston. And then I think he scored mm-hmm. the first goal in that Chicago game. But anyway, if that's true, then I might actually have to pick that game. Because any any game that Ibsen scores is the best game in Minnesota <laughs> United history. So, But uh, – Anyway, my I, if we had won the Allianz opener, I probably could have – it might have been picked yeah. for this. The fact that we didn't, unfortunately, kind of means I can't really yeah. – So instead, I'm going to lose the game that we got our asses kicked, uh, <laughs> uh, which was the snow <laughs> opener, <laughs> which I know makes no sense. Um, but uh, I'm going to pick it anyway because I fundamentally can't get over the fact that there was a morning my dad and I woke up and went, let's put on our snow pants and go watch soccer at TCF Stadium. And that that to me is is still just the most like baffling, hilarious memory of of maybe old time in my sporting life. Um and it was, you know, the worst and the best game I, I might have ever been to. You know, I remember it at one point it was, I don't know, maybe four one. The game's gone. Mm-hmm. And my section is just cheering. There's some chance from, from the supporter section as well. And everyone was just kind of having a good time because we'd all kind of accepted that we'd signed up for this and we're just going to sit in the snow and watch yeah, Atlanta exactly. United beat us. Now. Might as well enjoy it. Why would you leave now? You've been here for an hour, you know? Yeah. And uh, it was just like such a weird, unique uh, kind of fun. And, and you know, I, I got to also throw some homage to the fact that the – the fact that I watched Joseph Martinez play that that day actually influenced a lot my 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 passion for Venezuelan football as well. So I, I do have to also pay some homage to that. But um, but yeah, look, obviously the result was horrible. 
but there's it, it i will never forget that experience i will never forget that experience i might one day kind of forget whether i was at the first game at allianz or not i might for when years from now i might be a little blurry on that i'll remember eventually but i might be blurry if someone asked me off the top of my head but i'll never forget the fact that i went to this crazy cold snowy game at tcf and just sat in a bowl of snow just you know taking in the cold of minnesota uh to watch you know uh, a, a team that the entire stadium hated just whoop, whoop our butts. So I'm going to pick that one, uh, 6-1 uh, or go home, never forget. And, uh, you know, I got to see Kevin Molino's first loons goal. That was pretty cool. It was a penalty, though, so it wasn't that interesting. But, but anyways, yeah, it was a good time, and I remember it, I remember it well. So I'm going to go with the snow opener. You know – Dom, you may think you're not going to remember being at the 2019 Allianz opener, but you're never going to forget Sean Johnson just letting one go right through the wickets. That's uh, true. I'll never forget that one. (laughs) Yeah. I'll never forget the fact that – I'll never forget the moment that Sean Johnson nutmegged himself. I'll never forget that moment. Yeah, that that was pretty miraculous. Hmm. All right. Well, I can't think of a better way to end the episode. I don't know if we can uh, say anything more to improve this episode. Uh, So that'll do it for this week's episode of 10K. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for a great first week of SotaSoccer.com. It has been awesome. If you haven't checked out the website, please do, SOTASoccer.com. We finally got the .wordpress off there, Dom. The the SotaSoccer.com domain worked, but... Still would like it would like populate as like dot wordpress.com still, <laughs> yeah like even after you punched it in so we got that all figured out though so that's all awesome. good um you know the real the real important stuff obviously is what yeah, i'm worried absolutely. about absolutely uh but um it's been awesome if you can a really good interview with uh spam fc's uh vante hong uh there about their 2022 scholarship foundation before that interview goes live on the site next week but you can check it out if you're a Patreon subscriber, five bucks or 10 bucks a month, uh, whichever tier you would like to subscribe, we'd very much appreciate it. Uh, Dom, thank you again for another great episode of 10K. What do you say we do it next week, huh? Maybe. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see how soda soccer goes. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll recap. No, I think, I think we'll probably good, yeah. be back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And Dom <laughs> will also be on post loons after okay. the Nashville match yep. alongside Eli Hobb. So check him out there. All right, guys. Thanks again. We'll catch you next week.